This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager. In this episode, EdTech startup EverFi gets heavily funded. We'll look at five things to focus on as the new school year begins. Google Project Blocks looks to change the future of coding. And a discussion, we'll have a discussion about one-to-one rollouts and just we'll see where that goes. Joining me again this week, two weeks in a row now, Christy Warren. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me back. Well, I got to be honest with you. We are already reaping the benefits of having you on the show. Uh, you have brought something to the show that Matt never has, and that is at least one listener. There is a confirmed listener. Somebody commented on our uh, edtechweeklyshow.com post, um, and I will just use her first name, Melissa. She says she's out of the country, and she's at Quincy Elementary, and she is... Uh, saying that your involvement in the podcast is a perfect example of how diligent you are about keeping their rural student population current. And uh, she said she's looking forward to hearing more from her, meaning you. And then she said, um, I guess you guys too. So the gauntlet has been thrown down. She's listening for you and we're happy that she is. That's awesome. This is a good friend of mine. She is an excellent teacher here in Plymouth County. And um, maybe we can get her on the show sometime too. Hey, you, maybe you guys just take over the show, then you just, you know, put it over in California, you take over production, and we'll just keep, oh, come on. I mean, it, it could be nice. I could use a break. No, no, no. You know all the technical stuff. This is your show. Right. And as you saw in the beginning of the show, while we sat around and I tried to figure out audio, maybe I don't know the technical so well. <laughs> But I got to say, uh, you did leave a voicemail and I'm wondering, <laughs> am I supposed to consider this a patronizing thing? Because you said last week that, you know, nobody leaves voicemails. So you left one. Is this just to make fun of me? Well, I felt bad. I felt like on my first show, I, I could have been nicer. And I, I just wanted to leave you a voicemail. There is a time and place for the phone calls. And so um, I left, left the voicemail and you know, in our schools, we still do use phones a lot. It's how we communicate with parents and the power of someone's voice. It's still important. Okay. So basically I was going to look at the transcript and read it a little bit, but basically you said what you said in the voicemail. And I've now learned that I should not consider this patronizing, but more like pity. Not pity, just, just kindness. Well, listen, seriously though, we are really happy to have you back on the show. Uh, you definitely bring an awesome element of knowledge and uh, research, which, you know, sometimes Matt and I are a little lax on. So we appreciate you being here. And let's get to our first story. This is a Fortune.com article that explains that Jeff Bezos and Eric Schmidt are pumping millions into an ed tech startup called EverFi. The total amount of funding raised in this round is about $40 million. And when you get the CEOs of Amazon and Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, to fund you, uh, it's time for people to start paying attention, I would say. Certainly, you'll get front billing on the EdTech Weekly podcast. Uh, the CEO of EverFi, Davidson, says we're trying to get the private sector to really engage in local education. I, I think you can take the word trying out of there at this point. You have gotten the private sector to engage, at least financially, in education. So that's pretty awesome. Christy, do you have any info to share? I know um, you do this research thing, so... What have, what have you gleaned from this? Well, I'm always on the lookout for new resources that we can use. So I hadn't ever heard of EverFi, but I did take a look at it. And it looks like it's a content creation company that creates courses for K-12 students, college students, and adults. 
focusing on real world skills they need, such as financial literacy, alcohol usage, and sexual assault. One thing the founder said in his quick video was that today's students have high expectations. They want to learn and be engaged and capture their imaginations. That's what we do here. So from a quick review, just of some of their content, uh, it was impressive. Um, it was more than just someone doing a screencast and calling it a course. My question earlier today was, um, you know, what is the cost for schools to use these? So I actually contacted the company, reached out to them, and was really surprised to learn that the courses are free for schools to use. So I got myself a little resource here to use, and I've got an appointment with their um, one of their sales reps just to learn a bit more about it, thinking maybe we could use some of those courses here um, in our oh school. Oh my gosh, you are ridiculous. Like You are the epitome of what this show should be, like the research, finding out hard-hitting truth about things, and now actually converting that into usage for your district. Amazing. I love it. Well, when she told me it was free, I mean, that's really what got me, you know, as far as content. And, you know, for... Amazon to be investing in this company, you know, wh why do you think these big name businesses are? Well, listen, if it has any, um, you know, bearing from what our story was last week about Amazon Inspire, they're looking at these lesson plan repositories to share with everyone. And I'm thinking, hmm, wouldn't it be nice to have content directly linked to lesson plans so that the teacher not only has a plan in place, but also has the content. I mean, as you know, I'm sure being in education, Lesson plans are only half the battle. Um, you can have a great lesson plan, but if you don't have the content that backs it up, it's pretty useless. So, I mean, to me, that's the perfect sort of, you know, lateral move here for them is to create content specifically for lesson plans that Amazon is sort of putting in this repository. I mean, I don't know if that's why, but just from what I'm looking at in EdTech News, it seems like that's a good possibility. Yeah, that makes sense. I see that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's really awesome. And once again, the research that you did is blowing me away. Like a, a true professional here, ladies and gentlemen, not something we're used to on EdTech Weekly, but we will now move on to our next story, which is an EdTech Magazine article that gives us five classroom tech priorities for the coming school year. Um, I wish Matt was here because he always gives me a hard time about the top five and the top 10 and the five this and that. But listen, for some reason, educational technology articles love this stuff, so I'm buying in. This one gives us those five priorities that schools should be focusing on as the summer nears an end, and the five that they talk about are networks, mobile, security and private, student privacy, digital interactive projectors, and 3D printing. And I will definitely have more to say on one of these in a minute, and there might be a rant coming, but before all of that, I would like to get your thoughts on this, Christy. Well, I'm a little curious about what which one your rant is on. Can you give me a clue? I can. It, I will tell you which one it's on. It's on digital interactive projectors. Okay, so I won't talk a lot about that. So yeah, don't yeah don't say anything that's going to get me fired up about that. <laughs> all right. Uh, so the article, you know, I thought they were all great points, and really, I thought it was exciting that it shows where schools are at. Not one of them is, you know, which device do we use, uh, which to me just shows progress and really the assumption that students will have devices as they're simply a learning tool that is an expected part of the curriculum. And four out of the five listed here are more of the behind the scene aspects of tech that really are going to make it or break it for teachers in the classroom. All the networking, you know, behind the scenes, mobile security and privacy, those are all really big issues. And i won't even talk about projectors. I'll wait for you to share your rant on that. 
<laughs> but all of those things, you know, really demonstrate how important it is for ed tech people to work with their tech people. I'm very lucky to have a very supportive, you know, tech team here in my district who really wants to support the curriculum initiatives. And um, I know I try to include them as much as I can, you know, in any decisions regarding curriculum or anything with technology so we can do it together. Well, that's, I mean, that right there is a perfect example. I think that anyone listening to the show uh, should use as sort of a starting point. And that's just the communication between the tech people and what you're doing with educational technology, because if those two aren't working together, it's really painful. I can speak from some experience on that, um, where you just have sort of one side of it wants to deal with Apple and iPads and the tech side of it only wants to deal with Microsoft because it works well with their network. And rather than working together, it's like butting heads at every turn. And I just, I mean, I find that awesome and I'm really happy for your district that you have that sort of priority because that's a big thing, but let's stop all the positivity and let me go on my rant. Let's hear it. Okay. So I like a lot of these for sure. Um, interactive projectors, this is a pet peeve of mine and it really bothers me. And I'll just, I'm going to read a quote from the, his article here or from the article here. Users can control what's being displayed using finger touch inputs or a stylus. Thus users can work through math problems or create illustrations on the fly without being tied to a computer. Can anyone think of another way that we can create illustrations or do math problems on the fly without being tied to a computer? It's a pen and a paper. I mean, come on, people. Like, I just, it really bothers me because, you know, honestly, I'm at this point now. I guess I've been a lot away from my district long enough where I can go out in public and say these things. But, you know, putting money into interactive projectors when so many teachers only use them as a projector is bad enough. But when the reason that you're doing it is because you can do the same thing you can do on a piece of paper. It's like, wait a minute, what's, what are we doing here? Like, why are we spending money on things that are as interactive as a piece of paper and a pencil? Like, honestly, like I get it. It's cool. There is a wow factor that is almost undeniable, but you can go up to a whiteboard and do a math problem on the board just the same way that you can do it. If it's connected to a computer, there are of course some things like saving and sharing later on that are possible, but you can also take a picture and share that. I, I just, I don't know, like it, it obviously it gets my blood boiling a little bit and I apologize, but I just, I really get frustrated when I hear about educational technology, that the only thing that people tout that it does is stuff that you already can do with a piece of paper and a pencil. Like there has to be more. Yeah. And especially something that is so expensive, you know, think about what else you could do with that money and buy other technology. That's what kills me about it. It is so expensive. And like one of our, we're in a huge district and one of the initiatives was to try to put one of these in every classroom. First of all, every classroom wouldn't need one of these anyway. You know what I mean? Like it's just not, there's never a one size fits all, I don't believe. So I, it just makes me crazy that people, when they would say how great these are, would say stuff like, well, look, you can look at websites. I'm like, you can do that with just a projector. Like you don't need an interactive projector if that's the end game, you know? So I think at the end of the day, my rant is now finished, but I really think that the two that you should focus on is network infrastructure and security and student privacy. Like those are the two big ones because without those two, I think anything else can be a real problem. And I think, you know, based on your 
discussion and how you work with your team there, I think that that stuff will all work itself out. But if you don't have good communication between the two, tech and then also educational side of it, you definitely need to focus on those two. Does that sound, does any of that sound okay? Do I sound like a crazy person, Christy? No, that was a good you rant. Can, you that can be honest rant. if I sound crazy. No, that was a good rant. And I okay, agree with good. you on the focus on those two things. I agree. Okay. All right, good. I feel better now a little bit. All right, now let's get to our last story, which is an EdTech Magazine article on Google's Project Blocks. It explains how the project can change the coding world. I know this is right up your alley, Christy. The blocks consist of three components. It's got a brain board that provides power and sends instruction to a toy or tablet. It's got baseboards, which are outfitted with sensors, and pucks that can receive various instructions, such as turn on, move left, and play, and such things like that. If you go to the link um, on edtechweekshow.com, you'll see that there's a great video that sort of introduces it. And Project Blocks is just currently still in active research. So it's something that you can follow, but it's not something that I don't believe you can get fully involved in at the moment. Uh, Christy, what do you think about this and the all-powerful force that is Google? Well, first off, I will say that that was some research you just did right there. Good what? job. <laughs> You had you told us about the product. I didn't. I was going to say that, but I don't even need to do that now. So. Oh my goodness! I didn't see that. I'm so sorry. I didn't. I promise. I didn't copy your notes. I promise. <laughs> That's fine. No, you know. So I will start with you know how much I love Google, and um, I will say that I was able to visit the Google campus this week, which was really exciting for me. I was there for an uh, an Ed Surge sponsored tech summit of California. That's pretty awesome, and I got. I have to be honest with you. I'm you. You put in she for the listeners here. She put a picture of her there in the show notes, and it's just like rubbing my face in it. It's so awesome. <laughs> She's like next to the little Android dude in front of Google, and it's just awesome. I'm so jealous. Well, it was pretty cool, and if anyone ever gets a chance to go there, it is. Uh, you know, you, anyone can go to Google and just walk around, which uh, you know I didn't know that. So it is just feels like this culture of innovation and just very cool vibes and great things are going on there. And I thought, gosh, what a great place to work. And then also maybe another topic, what we can learn from Google for our schools, just the physical layout of their campus. And they've got all these outdoor spaces to sit and collaborate and volleyball courts and all these bikes you can ride. And I can tell why people want to be there. It's just a, it's very cool. So yeah, I think that would be an interesting uh, featured segment another for another show where we go into you kind of, you know, explaining your personal experience. We can look at how it's kind of set up and talk about maybe ways that we could introduce these to our schools and districts to these type of principles. Because I agree, like everything I've heard from people who've been there, it sounds like it, you just want to be there, which is what you want your kids to want about school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyways, about this, um, the Google... Google Blocks, um, it, it really fits with what we talked about last week with coding. Um, and, you know, let's see, I thought it was especially interesting when we, yeah, talking about Spheros, Spheros last week for coding. And Google Blocks looks like something that can be used at a very young age. I, mean, I think in the video they even had, you know, preschoolers, if maybe even younger, yeah. using that. Yeah, they looked really young. Yeah, and so it allows students to use physical objects to create code that can control things like toys, turn on lights, make music, and those those pucks. It kind of looked like a puzzle piece that you put together, and so it was like that physical aspect of the block-based coding. So, I mean, if you had really young kids, 
doing that and then, you know, taking it to the next level of block-based coding with Spheros and then, gosh, they would be ready for code.org really soon. Yeah, it's really cool. And I really like sort of the emphasis on collaboration that they're doing with this too. I mean, being social and working together and playing. Like I, I just think there's so many really cool things that we can learn um, in general as educators from, from this kind of attitude, the, the googliness, uh, so to speak. I don't know if you've seen that uh, internship movie or whatever, but there's a lot of googliness out there, googliness, whatever they say. And that's like that really should be something that we try to bring to our schools. Now, of course, we don't have unlimited budgets to do some of the cool things, but a lot of those things that you talked about are not expensive things to do. Yeah, exactly. So that's really cool. Well, I, I'm again, I will reiterate my jealousy that you got to go there and it's easy to say that anyone can go there, but we still have to like actually fly out there for those of us in Florida. It's not that close. So it's kind of tough to, to get there, but I'm glad that you got to enjoy it. Cause I think, you know, any experience, especially in your position, being able to uh, influence the district like you can to be able to see those types of things and be able to bring that back to your district is just awesome. Yeah, I think it's All important right. for educators to get out into the business world and see what, you know, what is it like out there outside of our schools? Yeah, I mean, that's where the students are going. So I think it's important to see that stuff, especially the companies who are doing a really awesome job of it. So that's really cool. All right, now let's get to our featured segment. Now, this is kind of a little loosey-goosey for the show. We don't really have a whole lot of planned discussion here, but what we wanted to talk about was one-to-one rollouts and sort of, I know, Christy, you've had some experience with that, and I wanted to sort of do like a roundtable here, although I'm guessing with its two people participating, it really doesn't matter what the shape of the table is, but you know, just two of us kind of sitting around talking about one-to-one rollout. And so I wanted to throw it to you first, because I know that you've had at least a little experience with this, correct? Well, we're starting. And so I won't say I have experience yet, but give me two weeks and then I can talk about my actual experience. But, you know, the nice thing where we are at is, you know, we're a little behind in rolling out one-to-one. So there have been lots of other districts that have done it. So we've really tried to learn from them and put together a plan that is, you know, got devices, supportive of teachers, has the right infrastructure, And so I'm hoping it goes well. I'm sure there's going to be some hiccups along the way, but I'm really looking for feedback on the plan and if anyone has any other ideas or anything that we should look out for. So, Absolutely. And just I'll mention it now again, but uh, her Twitter is at Christy M. Warren. So if you have some experience or have some resources that you think would help them out, uh, definitely send that to her. I'm sure she would appreciate that. Um, I, I think like there have been some major, major catastrophes with one-to-one deployments. I know there was one in California with Apple involved that was like millions of dollars. Like that just, I don't even know what happened there. Did you, being over there, did you hear anything about that? I know we talked about it a little bit in the news article. Yeah, I heard about it and it was LAUSD. So LA Unified, huge school district, right? And right. so rolling one-to-one and, you know, that is just such a major project to go, you know, to take on. And so they did iPads, but I think it got, you know, I don't know the actual details, but the bad rap because there are lots of other problems in the district that perhaps weren't being addressed. Um, you know, basic facilities, you know, run down schools, yet they're rolling out iPads. And yeah, and I, th- I think that may be one of the first things that you can sort of think about when you're talking about one-to-one this is not going to cure your problems. Like this is not a problem solving situation. Like, I mean, there has to be, if you've got major problems in your district, 
just rolling out one-to-one iPads or one-to-one any other device is not going to all of a sudden make things better. I think we get this idealistic view of, well, if everyone had an iPad, everyone would be happy to learn. And I mean, that's just not the case. If there are big issues in a district, it isn't going to fix it. And you should look somewhere else if that's why you're doing this, like in my opinion. Yeah. And it's always, what are you going to do with the tech? You know, if you give an iPad, how is that going to change in your classroom? What is going to be different for students? Otherwise, it's just going to be like a projector rant that you just had. I'm so sorry. I know. I didn't mean to subject you to that. You're only on your second time on the show, and I, I should have gone off on one of my rants. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, I so think it... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, talk a little bit about our plan. So, you know, I'm really excited about it, and we're, we are a small district, so keep that in mind. We have eight schools, and so we are doing two teachers per site, so total of eight teachers. So like I said, starting small, but eight classrooms. And we've chosen those participants based on um, one who is a digital leader and one who we consider a digital learner. And so we really got that idea from a vendor we spoke with um, earlier last year. And having a team at your site, at least someone to learn along with you is one of the reasons why we are rolling it out that way. And the other is, um, we're going to get to the digital leader really pulling along that digital learner, um, someone who may not have been as willing. So I feel like we can get two for the price of one with that. And in some cases, it's at the same grade level, kind of at the elementary. We're looking at third grade uh, mainly and then freshmen at our high schools. So we're excited for that. And then next year we would double that. So we'd add two more. And then in year three, then we'd go everyone. So it's kind of a three-year phase-in plan. We want to take it slow and do it well and really support our teachers, um, investing a lot in professional development time and meeting time throughout the year with them. And I have a great tech team who's on board and very supportive um, of helping our teachers as well. Okay, so let me interject here for a moment. I just want to say that, that this makes me super happy. Um, this is like positive rant time now. Okay. The fact that you are a small district and you are still taking it slowly, I think is amazing because too often big districts try to muscle through stuff and it's like you need to even go slower if you're a big district. And the fact that you are looking at this in a responsible way and thinking of adding each year a little bit and making sure that you're bringing people along and especially, especially professional development. I think that's one of the things that Matt and I, have harped on from the beginning with this is you need to make sure that plan and follow-up development is available continually for people as they, as they learn how to use this stuff, because any frustration at all from a teacher end about it, not working well or not knowing what to do, and they just stop using it in effective ways. I'm, I've seen that firsthand at a big district and it's a very frustrating thing. So I think you're already attacking this in a really intelligent way. Um, and I'm not just buttering you up so you come on the show again. I'm serious. I think it's pretty awesome. And um, I'm excited to hear, hopefully, we can get updates from you, even if you're not on the show all the time. Maybe you can still stop in and give some updates, and we can see how this is has kind of going, and maybe we can learn along with you. Well, I'm, I'm certainly open to feedback and you know hearing what other people have done and what works. So, um, yeah, I'd appreciate that. Um, Oh, our device, I was going to share, we're going to go with laptops. Um, okay. So we've got some carts here, like a cart of iPads, a cart of Chromebooks. 
but really we're looking for something that I guess has a, can do more than a Chromebook. You know, Chromebook is nice because it's pretty inexpensive, but we want access to the Microsoft suite as well. We feel that's important for our students to learn for the business world. Um, and the, you know, the iPads, I love iPads um, if you're creating content, but I think just a broader, if we're just gonna have one device, I think um, the laptop is what we're gonna go with. So, you know, it's a pretty inexpensive one, kind of hopefully one that's durable and long battery life is our other big one. So we wanted at least an eight hour, if not 10 hour battery life. Uh, we have problems with charging them throughout the day. Um, we're short on electrical outlets, so we just need to be able to charge them at night. So those were our main criteria of choosing our laptops. So, Well, that's great. I mean, it sounds like you definitely put a lot of, of research and thought and time into those things. And I, you know, I, I can't agree with you more in terms of the type of technology you're getting. Um, I think at this point, with the way apps and programs are so widely available, you can pretty much mirror a similar experience on almost any device and get going with something that's a little more uh, business world related, which of course we all know it still would be difficult to really participate fully in business with a device that doesn't have a keyboard. And if you're going to iPad and then you're adding a keyboard and all that stuff, you're really getting into a very expensive situation. So, I mean, it sounds like you've, you've looked at what you want and you've made a good decision. And I think, I think at the end of the day, that's probably the best advice, even though you're just starting out, that we can share with anyone as they start out is do your research. Think about why. Like, don't just say iPad because it's cool. I love iPads. I have an iPad Pro that I use for work and I love it. Um, and But I, I don't use the pen very often. Uh, I do sometimes, but it's usually, it's just another laptop for me, just a lighter laptop replacement. Um, but that's not always possible in budgets. So you have to look at what makes the most sense for the price and what you get. And I'm, I'm really one of the type of people that says durability and cost are the two most important things when it comes to K-12, because I mean, honestly, we're publicly funded and you have to explain, you know, why, why are we spending this money and is it the most effective cost effective way to spend it? And I think that you can answer those questions when you look at it from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, when I look into the future, I think of our classrooms, what they will be, and I see iPads, Chromebooks, and laptops in the classroom. And depending on what you want students to do, you know, they should be able to choose a tool that matches that. You know, like you said, you have an iPad, you use it for some things. I do too. Sometimes I use a laptop, sometimes I use an iPad. It depends on what, you know, what I want out of it. So, you know, I think someday we will have choices in the classroom and, you be able to use a device that fits your need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think at the, I think ideally what I would say my perfect, you know, if I could just have a school and have whatever I wanted, money wasn't an object. I, the students would have more than one device. It wouldn't just be get one. It would be uh, a tablet or a personal device like that. Maybe even a, a phone for that matter. Um, you know, and a computer. Like I, I'd want to have both because. I use both in my life and they have different things that to be used for. Like I would be struggling right now if all I had to record my podcast was an iPad, it could be done, but it would not be an easy scenario. Um, I even looked into that to see if I could do it for my more mobile things. And again, there are people that do, so I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's just a lot easier with a desktop computer that I have. So, you know, again, like you said, there are different uses for these things and there is no one size fits all. And it'd be awesome in the future if you could say to a student, hey, 
use this app on your tablet or use this on your computer to do this assignment or give them a host of choices. And I think that's what, as educators, we really want is to have our students be able to have choices. So I, I think at the end of the day, if we could figure out a way to do personal devices and also laptops, that'd be awesome. But again, money is not, you know, something that's freely accessible always. So we all can dream though, right? That's right. We can dream. And look, I've had a really good time talking about the one-to-one and having you on the show again, as I've said multiple times, and I'll continue to say, you bring a, a layer of professionalism to the show that we just haven't seen before. So I'm excited about that. Um, and you are, of course, welcome to come back whenever you want. Um, if anyone else would like to be a part of the show, like Chrissy did, she listened to the show. She was trying to figure out a way to become involved and, and even learn more than she's already doing at her school district, which is awesome. She went to our email and that edtechweekly at gmail.com. Um, if you want to look at edtechweeklyshow.com for the show notes, we'll put the links in uh, from the stories today so that you can follow those stories. Um, again, you can follow Christy or give her any information on one-to-one at Christy M. Warren on Twitter. And as always, she likes to talk about the hashtag kids deserve it movement. So if you're on social media, look that up. Kids deserve it. Um, I'm sure on Twitter you can find a whole conversation involving that as well as other social media, I'm sure. Again, subreddit, edtechweekly.reddit.com. It's still growing. Like every week there's a f- one or two more people. I mean, it's a slow burn, but it's growing and it's going to be a fire at some point. So we're excited about that. edtechweekly.reddit.com. Go there, post some stuff about one-to-one initiatives, uh, help other people out that may be looking for that including Christy. And of course you can follow me at four tech teachers on Twitter. Um, I will not give out the phone number, even no, though Chris, even though too. no, 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 no. Just uh, listen, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost done with it. I don't know what, I don't know what to say. I'm, if people want to call, they need to get with the times. Just ask Christy and Matt, get with the times people email contact through Twitter. If you're still old school, old school, it is three Oh five nine two tech two. But I know that's just it's 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 a dying, dying breed. But if you're still out there, 305-92-Tech2. And uh, that's it for the show, Christy. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, and we will see you hopefully again soon. And we will see all of you next week on EdTech Weekly.